uh, if we avoid having this conversation, I think we're we're pulling back the very hope sinners need. So the scandal of the gospel is not that Christians can commit racism. The scandal of the gospel is that Christ forgives repentant racists. Mm-hmm. And so we want, we don't want to treat sin, uh, racism like the sin that can never be committed, mm-hmm. but we also don't want to treat it like the sin that can never be forgiven. Mm. And if we talk about, you know, just make it a taboo, like how could you ever think that? Mm. It's like, man, I'm willing to bet most people in your church at some point in their life had an ethnically partial thought. Welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Fulweiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition, delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything. Real quick, before we begin this episode, listen to the end for updates on our Santa Ana Reformed Church Plant efforts and our upcoming Bible study on the Book of Judges. Hello, everyone. Yet once again, it's another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is a book club episode by the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast, where we bridge the gap to reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. We have Isaac Adams on the show today. We'll be welcoming Isaac here in a few moments. We're going to be talking about his new book, Talking About Race, Gospel Hope for Hard Conversations. It is published by Zondervan Reflective. And as a reminder for you guys, after this episode, go to the show notes for this episode and click on the link for Zondervan. You can find a copy of this book so you can purchase it for yourselves. You can also learn a little bit more about Isaac Adams. You can also find the link to the Society of Reformed Podcasters, which is a group of other reformed podcasts, which we're a member of, and you can uh, find some other shows to enjoy. There's also a couple links to find a church near you, a local church finder. So you type in your zip code and you'll find the closest church to your area. So again, today is an exciting book club episode, and I'll have Peter further introduce Isaac Adams today. Yeah, if you don't know who Isaac Adams is, he's the he's a brand new installed, I guess, to be officially installed pretty soon, pastor of Iron City Church in Birmingham, Alabama, former intern at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. If you guys have listened to our interviews with Dr. Jameson, he was he's a former colleague of Dr. Jameson's, but it is a it's a pleasure having you on talking about this book that it's a needed topic, but it, you come into it in a fresh perspective. So th- thanks for coming on. Man, it's good to be with you, brothers. It's, it's really, uh, it's nice to be on someone else's show. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about I host United We Pray podcast. Yep, so it's nice yep, to yep. not be the host, yeah. but uh, be the guest and uh, yeah, not be yeah. in charge. So yeah. yeah, it's easy being the guest, huh? Or I guess not easy, but it's like, you don't have to come up with the questions. You just, you answer. It's like having yeah. someone over for dinner. It's like, I didn't have to cook the meal. So that's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. A good, that's, that's a good yeah, way to put that's it. A good, yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Um, so yeah, with, with this book, we've had other books sort of like this before other authors sort of like this before but you take kind of a fresh approach to this conversation a fresh approach to this topic um so what what led you in the first place to say hey i think i need to write a book about this man um yeah i mean it's no secret that uh the race conversation and lots of people mean different things by that which we can talk about uh but has been uh has been broiling in, in, in many different ways. I kind of like in the last 10 years, uh, I kind of, there's three kind of major events that I think are kind of epicenters for the shock waves and the tremors we've been feeling around this conversation. So you have Trayvon in 2012, Mike Brown uh, in 15, uh, and then George Floyd, of course, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And each of these, you feel the kind of tremors of this conversation uh, within uh, the broader Christian and evangelical uh, discussion around these issues. Yeah. And so I wanted to really write a book helping uh, 
evangelicals generally and white evangelicals specifically answer the question they always ask when I teach on race, which is what can I do? Hmm. Uh, and in many ways, I think this is a great question. We're saved so we can do good works to the mm-hmm. glory of God. Uh, Christians want to do righteousness. We want to be just. Um, and yet while I was doing that uh, in the midst of getting, you know, notes ready for that book, Ahmaud Arbery was gunned down. Uh, and now I can say murdered. Um, And um, uh, an actor, African-American actor, went live on Facebook and talked about this hard run he went on. And this is all in the midst of COVID-19. So he was talking about a mask. He was how hard it was to run in a mask. Uh, And of course, running was pertinent to Ahmad's case. Um, And he was talking about as a black man, he always felt like he had to hide behind a metaphorical mask of sorts. And that really stuck with me, one, because I was empathetic with that experience myself, but two, because black people have been saying that for a long time. So 1896, Paul Lawrence Dunbar writes a poem called We Wear the Mask, uh, which effectively talked, really a prayer, and it effectively talked about how Blacks and white spaces felt like they had to wear masks. And it just dawned on me, um, we've got to be able to talk before we can talk about anything else. We've got to be able to talk, period. Uh, And I think a lot of people want to do justice. A lot of people want unity. These are great things. Um, But you can't even have a productive conversation with that person you dread seeing at Thanksgiving, much less on Sunday morning. And until you can do that, Uh, you won't get much further on the other thing. So I'm trying to, I wanted to then draw attention to why the conversation was so hard. That's really the central question I'm trying to answer in the book. Yeah, that's good. Cause it's, yeah, I think you come into it expecting one thing um, effectively, like what's, how are race relations happening? And what do we think about this case? What do we think about this case versus how do we even begin that conversation? And what are the thoughts yeah. behind the other person across the table? What are your thoughts? And then how do you bridge that gap between these two thought process, processes where somebody might feel like, oh, I can't talk about this. Um, he can only talk about this. Or the other right. person like, well, I can't talk about this. He can only talk about this. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I'm trying to show, uh, I'm trying to bring forward uh, those very fears and those very thoughts, which we were talking a minute ago, Peter, uh, how I try to do that is really through uh, narrative. So yeah. the book is kind of this weird animal that's yeah. half half uh, fictional account and half pastoral commentary. Yeah. Um, and really, I, I, I went with that route for a couple of reasons. One, there were some things I needed to say that I couldn't own. Mm-hmm. Like Isaac's not saying these things, but this is what this kind of person thinks or that kind of person thinks. Uh, um, but a second reason is because stories are just so powerful. Uh, you, you look at a book like The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkerson. I mean, it's a tome, basically. And yet it reads so powerfully because mm-hmm. it's, she's really telling this this history through story. Or you just, uh, you know, to be a, a, a click more straight to the text, you look at Nathan and uh, David and Nathan tells him a story and David's all in. And that's Mm -hmm. the exact noose that kind of gets hung around his neck in that instance. Uh, So I try to tell in the book a story, uh, this fictional shooting of a black man, uh, unarmed black man. Uh, And sadly, I I think it rings eerily familiar to a lot of what we're used to seeing in the news. And I tried to look at five different responses. So you have, uh, you know, your slightly political, politically conservative uh, white guy who's well-meaning, but he's like, I'm not sure what to think. You have your black brother. They're all members of the same predominantly white church. You have your black brother who's the lone uh, black, black, one of the lone black guys in this church. You have an Asian sister who wishes we could talk about more than the black or white divide. Uh, you have your white gal who I don't love the term woke and I explain why not in the book. Yeah. Let's just use that shorthand who's ready to kind of burn the church down and she's freshly read on these issues and uh, and seeing racism everywhere. Uh, and then you have your pastor in the midst mm-hmm. of it. The pastors, I am trying to encourage us, uh, brothers, as we try to hold the ship together through some of these difficult waters and these difficult conversations. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I love I love that approach you take. Yeah, and something that's good that you remind us is that the church is a family setting. Because I remember it just a few moments ago, you mentioned about like, 
going to Thanksgiving table with your family and talking. It's like, yeah, yeah. you guys are, remember the church is our family, our spiritual family. And so why is this so church or so, so why is this so important to have up uh, front and center to make sure that we feel comfortable talking to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is, and I think it's really an evangelistic uh, understanding from John 13, 35, Jesus said the world would know we are his disciples by the way we love one another. So it's really interesting. Not, I'm sure they'll tell by the way we love the world, but by how our love is the way we love one another as family. And if you can't be honest with your brothers and sisters, if you can't be honest with your spouse, your love is not going to be any kind of billboard for the gospel in that sense. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, superficial at best. In other words, uh, so I, I keep telling this, the kind of main metaphor I use throughout the book is wearing a mask. Like we need to drop our masks. Now, this is during the book before. Yeah, pre-COVID. So the original title for the book was supposed to be We Wear the Mask after that uh, poem I mentioned. Uh-huh. And then the editor gotcha. was like, yeah, that's... that's just <laughs> The and one even, time in history that that title right right I don't know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know you know writers man we get all jazzed about our ideas and yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill them and that's hard uh kill the ideas but um yeah man so going to your question Nick um we want to be able uh to to talk honestly in the body of Christ if we can't be honest with one another how are we going to love each other in that way Jesus calls us to love John 17 would say this is the, the world Jesus prays that we might be one so that the world might believe the father sent him and so if we can't have real conversation honest conversation what point kind of like what's the point i thought the gospel could overcome any barrier and if it really can't, then we're selling a false product and we need to stop doing that. Uh, but of course, by God's grace, we believe that it can. And if the Holy Spirit can get Jesus up from the dead uh, and that spirit is in us, then certainly we can have some conversations with people we did. <clears throat> and I'm trying to hold on to that basic gospel principle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, it's apparent, obviously, through through your book, Um both in the conversations and your, your pastoral commentary at the end of each one of these little sections. And so you, you start off with like this kind of playground um, imagery, this, mm-hmm. this fictional account, but probably, probably relatively not fictional. People have probably seen this stuff before. It's, it's universal enough where it's like, okay, I can, I can see myself in this, or I know somebody who, who's, who's been part of this before in this, this, who are you voting for? And I was like, man, this, that, that got person that it like, it, it hurts because it's like, that's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. both sides tend to be either you can say white dominant black dominant or asian dominant like whatever whatever it may be you can you can relatively easily understand what two sides are going to be on on one side of the, of the spectrum they go back to their to their homes to their respective homes <clears throat> and they have different conversations around these things mm-hmm. one parent tells them um no you like you can't go out and running and the other parents like oh no you can go and so the the white kids like well why can't this guy come over to my party and it's they're using these guns, and the the other parent tells his son is like, well, like you, you just can't be around with a gun. And yeah. it's there's these conversations where um, me not having grown up in this context, they're just not conversations I've ever had with my dad. They're not conversations I've ever had with my parents. Um, but I wonder if you can if you can speak into using this approach and how this helps those who may never have had these conversations before, kind of walk in the shoes of those who've had. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah. I mean, you brought up in some instances, um, kind of going back to that that main question I asked about why this conversation is so hard. The reason I think that question is so important, I think the question is as important as it is ignored, frankly. Uh, And why I think it's important to think about that is because if we understand the difficulty of this conversation, if we better appreciate the difficulty, I think we'll better appreciate each other which goes a long way in engendering love and unity and righteousness. Like people actually feel free to go and do righteousness when they know their head won't get lopped off. Uh, And so that's why I think it's really, it's really important to understand. I mean, 
This is what God calls us to live with our spouses, for instance, in an understanding way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why doesn't he say that? Live with her and understand because it's a different experience that he wants us to know and will love that much better if we understand. So understanding increases love. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, you know, you, you kind of brought up the intro story of uh, this one, this white boy and this black boy, white boy has a birthday party. They're playing with paintball guns. And the black boy's dad is like, no way are you going to go do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, you, like you said, you would never think to have that conversation with your kid. No. But this is a conversation black fathers are having with their sons. Of course, not every black father. And I make the caveat, you know, yep. this isn't every experience. Yep. Yep. These are common experiences. That being said, they are common experiences. And so, you know, when my kid is going out uh, for a run, I'm like, put the hood, take the hood off now. Like, you're like, I'm wearing a hoodie right now. Like, you don't run with a hood on. Are you are you crazy? You know, and I've, I've had a friend who said that to his son and that was said to him and all of that. So what that does, uh, Peter, is it, I think under, when you understand how someone can just have a completely legitimately different experience yeah. and a painful one at that, yeah. you know, like, why are, why can't I just run with the hood? Like mm. you can, why can't, uh, you know, why, why would a black boy have more questions about playing with a gun and a toy gun in the neighborhood? Well, after mm-hmm. Tamir Rice, you, we, we would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah. So anyway, all that to say, uh, what I'm trying to do is kind of peel back the, the, the veil or the curtain, if you will, so people can understand like, oh my gosh, that's really hard and grow in their sympathy for folks because that, I mean, and, and grow in yeah. their, it's humbling when you see someone else's different experience. You're like, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't say that thing on Facebook, like I was going to say. It's actually way more complicated than I thought, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, point. and that was... That was, I think that's why it hit me so hard is, I mean, I knew these, I guess, theoretically, I knew some of, the, some of these conversations, but you you bring the reader into, in a, in a very vivid way, you bring them into another person's experience, mm. gospel-saturated experience. How do we understand this under the gospel of Jesus? Mm. But you bring these into a perspective that allows somebody who doesn't have this experience to read this, but not, like you said, not in a um, polemical way, saying like, oh, you're, you're a bad person because you don't have these experiences. It's no, let's walk in this person's experience that you may yeah. not have had before, which That's right. I, I like that approach too. Where it's, you're not saying you need this experience or you can't talk. It's Mm-mm. let's learn this experience. So yeah. that you can talk. exactly, exactly. And the beauty, <clears throat> if you don't know the experience, you can't, well, I'll say it like this. You can carry the burden better if you know the experience. If you know what the burden is, yeah, and we want to be burden bearing, kind of to your point, uh, Nick, earlier in the in the family of God, we are to be burden bearing. So we don't want to come to church having to wear these metaphorical masks and just have it be a masquerade and a show of pretend love and false piety. It's just like that's just painful and only compounds (laughs) the pain people are in. And one correction, guys, I, I think I said Mike Brown. It was 2015 he was 2014 sorry that's just been bugging me in the back of my mind <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm sure we're gonna have lots of comments people's like no it's we actually might that's uh, i'm just kidding we, we might have had we might have somebody direct message us like no it's actually it was actually this yeah i want to be as factual as i can totally so. yeah yeah absolutely so uh, yeah and it sounds like you're saying like even if we're from two different races to engage with each other and truly listen um, what this, what's how scripture calls us to and love each other, we're actually uh, being more authentically empathetic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, to, to understand uh, will require authenticity, it will require, and it will require vulnerability, uh, which both of are very difficult to pursue. So, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so getting to, so you, you start each one of these with a little bit of a story with like a different person, their perspective, the conversations they have, and then you move into a pastoral kind of counseling. Hey, Hey, this is, this is what you've done. Well, this is, these are some things I want to talk. So how, how is that? And how are you using that interplay to help us think through what we're talking about or what we're expecting somebody else to talk about or what we think 
what we think they think that they talk about us in these conversations. So how, how do you use your pastoral kind of counseling chapters in these to help us with these conversations? Yeah, think of, I try to do it the same way a coach, uh, you know, so I see, you know, you're wearing this CrossFit shirt, Peter, like the same way. <laughs> Glad you noticed. Uh, the same yeah. way a coach pulls aside an athlete when he's watching yeah. game tape with him. So, you know, uh, anyone who plays sports or who's watched athletic tape, the coach doesn't just play the movie and then say, all right, guys, see you next week. He pauses like John, you know, right here, you should, you miss this block, like right here yeah. or, you know, whatever it may be, Kelly, you should have posted up right here in the short corner. I don't know why you ran the baseline that, that, that way. And so what I try to do uh, is really in a sense where if we're watching the, you know, the, the metaphorical tape, uh, I'm trying to be like the coach pausing here to say, this is why this comment, hmm. let, let's just double click right here and see what drop down comes hmm. from this kind of comment. You know, uh, you know, if he had just followed the law, he'd be still alive. Why? What? What? What is the thought pattern behind this comment? Is this up to the standard of Christ? In what ways is it not? In what ways might it be? Uh, and let's interrogate this so that we might think better. So in this book, I'm not just trying to tell, uh, you know, an emotional story or whatever it may be. I'm trying to get at the ways people, Christians think about things yeah. and i'm trying to challenge them to think more deeply more biblical more mm. biblically about things because you know this big hole in our face will the things that come out of it will change um as our hearts change and as our thoughts change uh and so we're to love the lord with all our heart soul strength and with all our mind so i want to get at the way we're thinking mm. about things and that's why so it really goes from you know, if you're, it's like a movie and then now we're in the pastor's counseling room all of a mm -hmm. sudden. So uh, I say, you know, there are lots of prophets in the race conversation. Praise God for the ones who are doing that in a godly way. But mine, what I'm trying to primarily contribute is a pastoral word. Mm -hmm. So I, this is primarily a pastoral contribution um, for a number of reasons. And I can go into that. But anyway, that's what I'm trying to do. <clears throat> With each character, I'm trying to pull them aside and say, hey, if I was your pastor, this is how I'd counsel you. Because this is what I've done, I don't mm -hmm. know, how many times yeah. uh, with folks <laughs> in my office mm -hmm. who are like, I was trying to talk to so-and-so, and they said such and such, and then I posted it on Facebook. And I was like, okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's been, uh, maybe, maybe a real quick thing, too. Uh, and this this struck me um, pretty pretty deeply. One of the one of the many 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 things that struck me pretty deeply <clears throat> was, um, I, I think in a lot of our churches we either we either have one or we we don't. We have the the token black guy. We have the token Asian person. Mm -hmm. Predominantly white church and us and us being honest with ourselves, us being Reformed Presbyterians, <clears throat> that tends to be that tends to be more the case than not. Um, yeah, in some of our churches for. For a variety of reasons, it may be demographic. You talk about like there may be a rural church in, in somewhere that's predominantly white or predominantly Asian, where it's like that's just what you're going to get because that's the that's the city or the, the county that you're in. Um, but also some of the pressure it puts on somebody who has to represent it, the whole community when somebody says, "Hey, right. can you go up and pray for 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 your community because you're the only one among us who knows." And so whenever something like this comes up, <clears throat> they're thinking, "Oh man, I I have to share this burden. I have this burden that nobody else has." Nobody else has experienced that I do. And so I have to go up and be the representative for millions of people who have my experience when right. in all reality, nobody here may have the same experience that I do. And so I don't know if you can, if you can, because that, that hit me <clears throat> really hard. Yeah, that's, man. That's, 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 that's my context. And that's, and not in a bad way. It was like, man, that's, that's totally true. That's something that I've, I've seen, I've done, I've been through where like when a calamity happens, I text somebody who's represents that group and is like, Hey man, how can I help you? But yeah, if you can kind of go through that pastoral stuff within this, cause I think a lot of people who listen to this, that's probably their experience too. Yeah, man. I'm trying. I mean, the, the short answer is, um, I mean, this book is filled with so many of my own personal, yeah. so much of my own personal story. So it's, it's not memoir, but it kind of is in that sense. I mean, <clears throat> I've been that guy in these kind of churches. So I grew up, uh, in the PCA, uh, I've been in a lot. I've been in different white churches, both Baptist and 
uh, Presbyterian. And so, um, you know, in some sense, I've written this book for those kind of minorities. Like, I see you, I know the questions you're asking, the pressures you're feeling, you're too Black for this church, you're not Black enough for these folks over here. Um, and, you know, and I, you know, I just really, Peter, I'm trying to take on the questions people are actually asking, why should I stay in my church? Why should I stay in my white church? Why or why not? Uh, what, how do I think through that as a faithful Christian? I try to answer it as best as I can answer it. But that being said, um, the reason, you know, you talked about like, Hey, when like a racial tragedy would happen, I would text my friend, but I go, you know, my one friend and I go through the, I provide, I use this exact same example yeah, yep. in the book to show, Hey, maybe that one friend has received seven, 17 text messages yep. like that. Now on the one hand, praise God, people are trying to care for him. But on the other hand, that's overwhelming. Uh, that's really hard to, now he's got a process with Peter and with Sam and with the pastor and with this sister who's like, Hey, I want to learn about these things. Not kind of realizing she might unwittingly be kind of treating him like a vending machine for kind of racial knowledge when he's just really exhausted. And yet he's also feeling the burden of, I want people to learn. I want to help. And so I just try to get at those tensions. And I think, you know, Lord willing, Peter, should and when because we live in a fallen world another racial tragedy happen i think you'll think a lot better and more carefully now about reaching out to that friend and that's what i want to see i want to see local churches helped and built up and so yeah i took very real world examples when uh george floyd happened and i have my my phone is blowing up and i'm like man i don't really want to talk to anyone i'm not even really sure what i think Mm -hmm. and now here i have to represent you know this this for these folks who I'm thrilled they want to learn. Why does it have to be from me? Should it be from me? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to think through, man. And that's what families are. They're messy. Uh, they're a lot. And so uh, I'm trying to help families love one another better yeah. uh, through very real accounts like that. Yeah. And that's, and those, those who are listening, I, I think it comes out very clear um, that you're trying to love through these stories because they are hard hitting, but I think if they're not hard hitting, we're not going to think nearly as hard about them. Um, yeah, that's right. Do, we're not going to talk about them. We're not going to be like, oh, this is actually something I've been through. And he's like, he's prying into my inner thoughts as I'm, as I'm talking about these things with my friends. Like that's my thought that I had when yeah. I was, when I was talking to one of my friends or when they're talking to me, because I know my thoughts, but it's hard to realize what somebody else's thoughts come into this. And that, I think that does help bridge that conversation gap mm-hmm. where you are talking to somebody else with a different experience. And it, it puts you in their mind, not that you can't have the conversation, but you, you now sympathize, not with their side, but you sympathize with their experience. Yes, that's right. And say, Hey, I, like, I don't know everything that you've gone through, but I can imagine in something like this. Hey, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Exactly. That's exactly right, man. Spot on. Cool. Yeah. I have a question about going, talking more about listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I like the whole paradox that. of the uh, book, right there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> exactly. But but I think we live in a day and age, and it's probably always been this way. But there's so much knee jerk reactions, especially with how fast media is and social media and the news, and everyone wants to like talk over each other and be the next. Uh, you only have a few seconds to say something really loud. Um, how do we? how do we listen better? I mean, I want, I want to take, you know, as a black Christian, what would your advice be to white Christians to listen better? What would your advice be to other black Christians to listen better and other minorities too? So we can all just, uh, you know, check our comments at the door and try to listen better to what the person is saying. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, often, you know, it can be argued that like a good book or, you know, a good, it will have like one key point, like one. And like, again, I'm trying to answer that question. Why is it so hard to talk about? But I try to I try to provide lots of different points on to answer that question of how and like four different uh, instances. So, for example, for white brothers and sisters, understanding, I kind of get at this I get at this concept of historical asymmetry mm-hmm. um, and understanding how um, racism is always terrible. It's always sin. 
everyone is made in God's image. So we know all these things to be true from scripture. And yet if someone makes, there is a difference between someone making a comment about Peter and someone making a comment about me as an Mm African-American. Now, right now, right now, I bet there are people listening to this show being like, and that shouldn't be. And here's why. Right. And that's exactly why I go through what I go through in the book. But if Peter, you know, let's just use him as an example, actually understands like, hey, I might not agree with it, but it is, it is that way. Uh, He will understand better. Maybe the reason Isaac should speak first in this conversation isn't because he's Black and that makes him inherently smarter than me as an inherently corrupt white man. Mm -hmm. But maybe the reason is because there's been this historical imbalance, Black voices have been marginalized for so long why don't I give him the floor first uh, and learn from the questions? Because like you said, going back to the the kind of parable of those two boys um, at the beginning of the book, I, you wouldn't even have known to think that about yeah. the kid's experience. Yeah. And there it is. Right. And so uh, that's kind of an example for white brothers and sisters, uh, Nick, but that changes, you know, the council changes. Right. So, uh, you know, I think what something we learn, I think it's first Thessalonians five uh, where Paul is saying, you know, admonish these folks, encourage these folks, strengthen these folks, different sinners need different kind of responses is what we learn pastorally from that text. And so uh, to, you know, to black brothers and sisters, I say, Hey, just be careful and remember that just because you might be on the other side of a historical imbalance, that does not give you free license to air all your feelings, to give full vent to your frustration uh, you know, Proverbs would say that's foolish to do. Mm-hmm. And I talk about why I understand the temptation to do that. Uh, but being careful to not, uh, you know, just see all white people as uh, closet racists or whatever it may be, yeah. you know, for Asian brothers and sisters, I talk about the, who yeah. are, who are, who are feeling kind yeah. of second or third to this conversation like why is it always black and white why can't we have a broader conversation mm-hmm. i want to talk about well uh, i really do appreciate that and frankly they're right on one mm-hmm. level and i say that in the book like they're right uh and here's why mm-hmm. and yet uh the black white conversation is a historically unique conversation mm-hmm. uh that in some ways has made room sadly for all the other conversations uh and so i go through that so there so that's white black and asian right and we could keep going through different uh kind of experiences and i talk about the temptation uh for pastors to not listen well or to um you know kind of lead out of fear or whatever mm-hmm. it might be um and so and so yeah to answer that's a, a long answer to a short question uh but that's how we can listen well and all of that comes from knowing more of the other person's experience totally like okay 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 and really what we're doing to to put to give it biblical language philippians 2 we're looking not only to our own interests but also to the interests of others so what is in the interest of others if i'm going to ephesians 4 29 speak a word in season here and the in season is crucial right uh as fits the occasion Mm -hmm. so the audience matters and what i say matters and the timing matters and that's what i'm trying to bring to bear in this book with these with these hard conversations yeah yeah and that's yeah and they they are hard and um maybe it's yeah they've been hard because we we haven't been really having them we've Mm. we've talked about having these conversations and i think they've been more like knee-jerk reactions versus christians Mm -hmm. us communing and speaking and fellowshipping with one another and say hey let's let's bring our experiences to the table and let's talk let's yeah. let's figure out what's what, like what not what do we need to do but let's first talk about yeah. this stuff on the front and if, I, and, and if i can hop in on that man one just two points on that so one um you know if i'm listening to this this is a, a perfect illustration if i'm listening to this and i hear you say that peter and you're my friend right and like uh someone i know but like you're saying we haven't been having these conversations for a while well as a black man i'm like well yes we have but okay yeah. like yeah. but you're but like this is what we do we yep. naturally kind of speak for our community right so and that's why i'm getting at talking across color lines because mm-hmm. y'all might not have be having these conversations but you know blacks may be but i'm trying to get people talking not just to the people within their own 
whether it be ideologically ide ideological group, uh, which often maps with ethnicity and race. Uh, so um, I'm trying to get folks talking across those lines. Um, and the second thing I want to say is, I think one reason, uh, Nick, we struggle to listen well is because often in this conversation, people are trying to change people's minds by coercion mm -hmm. and by force. And that just doesn't work, right? Uh, we are, so we're reformed Christians. We understand, like, you can't, if you can't just go make someone a Christian, you can't force them to convert. This is the work of God. Now he uses means, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, and we being those means, but you can't make someone become a Christian and you can't make them agree with you. And I think so often people in this conversation feel the coercive effects that they don't want to listen because they don't want, they don't want, that's not, and people are speaking that way, like agree with me or else. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why in the book, hopefully folks feel that yeah. you can be a Christian and disagree with me. You can yeah. even be a really godly Christian and disagree with me. Mm -hmm. I might disagree with me in <laughs> five years. I hope not, but you know, here we are. Uh, and so I'm trying to get at uh, not whether you disagree with me, but why and how you disagree with me mm -hmm. and therefore encouraging people to think about what they, what it is they actually believe versus just resorting to the visceral uh, ideological knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, and that movie, real quick too, um, one of my last questions. It, I mean, it sounds like too, it's, I will have conversations or I'll think back on my conversation, but they tend to be kind of culturally contextual where okay. I'm used to the conversations I've had. I don't know the conversations that are being had. So I, I assume the conversations I, I have, generally speaking, are the only ones that have ever been had in the history of, of mankind. Versus right. thinking the broader context cross-culturally, like these are not the only questions, topics, things that have been talked about. It's, it's you're, you're asking us when we talk, let's talk as people, not because we can't understand each other because we're different cultures, but because we're different cultures, we've had different conversations that we may not know have been happening for a long time. And so let's enter into that other cultural context and say, hey, man, these are not the conversations that I, I've had, but I know you've been having them. Let's, let's talk about these conversations um, that you've yeah. been having it like let me enter into these things that I've never talked about because this is not my this is not my context yeah that's right man and again it's in the basic Christian posture so I in the book I'm trying to be super basic super mm -hmm. plain mm -hmm. and super Christian like Philippians <laughs> yeah. too yeah look also to the interest yeah. of other if right? we can't have these conversations with the church like man like where else are we going to have them well, that's that's exactly right. And uh, because we haven't had them in our churches that people, you know, so I I'm sympathetic with pastors and I, I say this clearly and I am a pastor. Sheep stray. That's what sheep do. That's why you have a job, pastor. And no small part. If they didn't stray. They wouldn't need a pastor. But uh, perhaps sheep are straying to unhelpful resources because we are not equipping them. Mm, yeah. We're not teaching folks how to have these conversations, yeah. how to feel like kingdom people yeah. with these conversations. And so, um, yeah, man, we 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 want to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is what we see in Acts 6 with the Grecian and the Hebraic widows, yep. right? Like, why are those details important? <laughs> ah, because they are a minority group. And mm -hmm. so it happens that they're the ones being neglected. And, the, and what we see is that is a threat to the witness and the love and the unity and stability of that church. Hmm. So it needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. And I obviously nobody likes to be called or labeled a racist. And I think what a lot of people, a lot of white people could struggle with is they're maybe afraid to talk about race because yeah. they're afraid that it's going to be taken out of context and be labeled uh, unfairly as a racist or something like that. And so they're afraid to say, they're really walking on eggshells trying to figure mm -hmm. out what to say and how to say it because they're afraid to say the wrong thing and have it misinterpreted. But yeah. it, and but in the other end, they're like, if I don't say anything, it's labeled or assumed that I am acknowledging, thinking that there is no racism and yeah. being saying that uh, we're ignoring it, we're sweeping it under the rug. So I think a lot of people struggle with um, they're not sure what to do. Do I talk about it? And I have to put myself out on a limb and hopefully uh, the person's listening and 
listens to what I'm saying, or do I just say nothing and pretend it's not there? Yeah, sounds a lot like one of the characters in your book. Yeah, I mean, literally, man, that is the exact (laughs) yeah. I mean, I'm getting at like (laughs) I walked through that exact experience because it is so common, and Satan wants to exploit that fear, that very fear in the church to keep people from being honest and vulnerable with one another. Mm Because he does not want your family actually bearing your burdens. He wants you to, he wants there to be suspicion in the church. He wants there to be distrust in the church because then the church will eventually fall apart. And this gospel will not really be all that powerful uh, to people who need to turn and to believe it. So for anyone listening, if you, if you resonate with Nick just said, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just, that is, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to walk through in the book. And explain yeah. why that, I mean, we don't want our churches to be that way. I mean, imagine if your kids were like, there's this really sensitive thing, but I don't ever feel like I can talk to you about it. Hmm. I mean, what, like how, like, what, what does that do to your home and to the dynamic in your home? And who wants to be in a church where they can't be honest, where you can't let your hair down, where you can't make mistakes. And by the way, aren't we Christians? Mm-hmm. Aren't we people who know what it is to get grace and who know what it is to be imperfect and to be in an environment? I thought this was supposed to be a place where it was okay to be imperfect, but all of a sudden I feel like I have to speak perfectly. When James clearly says, you know, no man, <laughs> no man speaks perfectly on anything. So watch your mouth. But uh, anyway, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, and, yeah, and I, and I love, yeah, that's you. You speak our language. That's those are the thoughts that go through our heads, which tends to keep us from having these conversations. And so then our black brothers and sisters are wondering, like, well, why aren't they talking to us? Or they're thinking something else, and we're not thinking about what they're thinking. They're not thinking about what we're thinking. And so these 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 lines of communications have been cut um, in a lot of these circumstances. Though we're not talking. Other people are talking, but we're assuming nobody's talking because we're not talking, even though everybody else is talking, which is, yeah. it's like this strange thing that we just, we're not entering into because we're not, we're not talking. At least we as, as white Christians, we're not talking. Well, and, and it's not, and I want to be clear too. It's not just that, oh, your, your church might fall apart. Yeah. It's that, I mean, this bears upon your sanctification. You're thinking some things that actually need to be uh, like unwired. Mm -hmm. It bears upon your love for that person in Luke 10 on the other side of the road who you're tempted to walk past. Mm -hmm. So if you don't talk about these things, you don't have to think about these things. Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about these things. You know, it's just so Satan wants us in these kind of enclaves where we're not reaching out to the other the other person, whether that be. Uh, another race, ethnicity, another group, uh, ideologically, and he would rather us just be suspicious of that person because that suspicion will turn to hatred pretty soon. Yeah. Um, um, and so if we want to pursue justice in these kind of things, uh, as regards to this conversation, we're going to have to learn how to do that. Yeah. My, my, last, my last two things before, if Nick has anything else to to end us out you you talk about i think it's pastor johnson is that right within the book yeah 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 bruce johnson um, yeah yes. bruce johnson yeah he's, he's the pastor of the um uh, it's um it's lcbc lincoln Ray, link uh, lrb oh, lrbc that's right yeah, i knew lincoln i had L- bible church that's yeah. right yeah 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 so yeah lincoln ridge bible church he's the pastor of this and so he's he's thinking some we have we have a good number of, of pastors who are listening to this show who are trying to figure out like, Hey, what do I, what do I do about this topic, this doctrine, whatever. And so I'm assuming a lot of the pastors out there are thinking like, what do like, what do I do that? I'm, I'm leading this church that, that probably needs to be having these conversations on, the, on a consistent basis. Some might be having, some might be not, not be having these things. And so, and kind of attached to that is, and I'm also kind of taking on the brain of somebody's listening to this. Like, why is this conversation even needed in the church? Why can't this be happening outside of the church? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'll go to your first thing, uh, and I'm just flipping through literally the chapter because that's the question <laughs> I answer. Like, yeah. like, what do I do? And uh, what I say is, and you know, pastors can go get this. Um, uh, I, I go through a thing, a lot of things to not do, but my basic answer is do what you can do and trust God. Uh, then don't underestimate what we're up against. I mean, once we understand more of the kind of 
Mount Everest that is race in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think it gives us a lot of freedom to be like, man, I'm going to do my best, but I ain't climbing this mountain, much less carrying my entire church up this mountain by myself mm-hmm. without God's mm-hmm. help. Don't fixate on making your church more diverse. Might be surprising in a book about race. Live yep. a multi-ethnic life. But I say, you know, keep preaching the gospel. Keep teaching all that Christ has commanded. And there I'm getting at. So notice I said, preach the gospel. But I'm not, you know, one common response is just preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Perhaps that actually isn't what Christ is calling us to. And maybe that makes me sound like a heretic. But the Great Commission <laughs> focuses yeah all that christ has commanded yeah uh, which is philippians like there are commands in philippians too there's commands uh in other parts of the bible that we need to teach our people keep making space for differences on matters that are not the gospel so one of the things we do as pastors is we are one of the chief unity preservers in our church to say to people hey you might think that someone can't be a christian and do x or vote y but actually they can be so you can't just go around the church saying that. Huh. And what that means, brother or sister, is someone might think you are the spawn of Satan for doing X or, say, or saying Y, yeah, yeah. but actually they're wrong. So we're going to live here with our differences. Yeah. Uh, keep being willing to ruffle feathers. Number five, keep praying. Uh, keep having your people share their stories. So I try to be super, super practical in yep. this book about... Yep. Here, like I try, I say in the beginning, it's great when I don't just try to do diagnosis. I actually try to say, here's how you can get healthier. So it's great when you go to the doctor and they're like, hey, you're sick. That's helpful, right? It's (laughs) even better when they're like, here's how you can get better. And so I'm trying to actually chart a biblical way forward for pastors, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, the second part, if you can if you can, if you can talk about why, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. If people are like, I'm assuming, like again, I'm assuming our, our average listener is probably like, why is this even necessary in the church? Shouldn't like, like you said, shouldn't we just be talking about, and which we absolutely should, the the gospel and and all these things. But why yeah. is this necessary? To, like, why is this conversation? Why is he talking points? Why should these be happening in the church with members in the church with pastors with, with all these people? Yeah, because. Um, uh, my just so I literally have a question. Nick or Peter's just teeing me up here, uh, so well, yeah. uh, but I literally have a, uh, a chapter de- dedicated to this, yep. uh, so not just why is it so hard to talk about, but why should we talk about it? And my short answer is love, love compels us, so love for the glory of God. This is a this is a way we can glorify our Father by having this conversation. So if we can glorify God by sleeping and eating and drinking, Paul would say, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, we can glorify God in this conversation. Uh, We want to have this conversation for the sake of our neighbors. Uh, We actually want to care about other people made in God's image. And this help, these conversations can help us do that. Mm. Uh, We want to care for one another and our holiness. So when a brother Ray makes an insensitive comment, do we just let it slide? Is God pleased with that? If Jesus were in the room, would that person say that? And should we then do we then have a responsibility to call our brothers and sisters up in that instance? Uh, we want to do it for the sake of our unity in the church. Like mm-hmm. no secret, these can be these conversations can really tear apart the unity of a church. Um, we want to do it uh, for the love of doctrine. I mean, I think we sometimes we have this conversation, Peter, and we're acting like God hasn't addressed some of these things, yeah. uh, like interracial marriage or so, or whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, and yet um, he has. And I think one, I mean, to make it clear, um, one reason to have these church, these conversations is, is because of the terrible track record that evangelical churches have generally, uh, historically on this conversation. So churches were kind of the last, a lot of churches were the, were the kind of last stand of resistance toward integration, racial integration, because they're volunteer societies. You couldn't, the federal government couldn't just force them like they could schools or whatever it may be. So rather than leading the way, uh, and of course, I know your listeners, some will say, yes, but what about this example? Or what about that example? I'm talking about generally, okay? I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, you live in, yeah, in the place. Yeah, you can come visit me in Birmingham and I can show you lots of, plenty of examples yeah uh about how it shouldn't have been and so uh that's why we can't just say 
you know, oh, we'll just preach the gospel and it will all work out. Well, uh, again, I love the gospel. I'm a gospel preacher. Um, but we need to have this conversation uh, lest uh, we look at, lest we become like the past in that sense. And we don't want to do that. Um, and then the last thing, man, I'll say is uh, if we avoid having this conversation, I think we're we're pulling back the very hope sinners need. So the scandal of the gospel is not that Christians can commit racism. The scandal of the gospel is that Christ forgives repentant racists. Mm -hmm. And so we want, we don't want to treat sin, uh, racism like the sin that can never be committed, mm -hmm. but we also don't want to treat it like the sin that can never be forgiven. Mm -hmm. And if we talk about, you know, just make it a taboo, like how could you ever think that? Mm -hmm. It was like, man, I'm willing to bet most people in your church at some point in their life had an ethnically partial thought. Mm -hmm. Now, what do they do with it? Yeah, because we're all sinners. We're going to have these yeah, things. Right, right. We're going to have these thoughts. Like, I've had these thoughts. I'm a black I'm a black pastor. I've had plenty of these thoughts. Yeah. So what do I actually do with it? How do I, how do I repent of that? How do I bring it to? Because First John makes it pretty clear. Christ will cleanse all my unrighteousness, including my racial unrighteousness. And so I want to equip my people to know how to do that. Mm. No, and that's, yeah. and I love it. Cause it's, it kind of goes along too. And it's not exactly the same example, but it's why, why we do in, the, in, the, in our reform contest, why we do catechism is we're trying to teach them the way that yeah. we know culture catechizes. We know culture that's says, right, no, man. this is what you have to believe. And so if we're not having these gospel saturated conversations about race, they're going to hear conversations outside that's of the right. church. It's going to tell them, no, this is how you have to have this conversation. Versus saying, no, how do we have a gospel conversation around race? That's exactly right. man. And again, like we are called to fear the Lord, no one and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And so if it's like, oh man, but it's going to be really hard. Well, the cross shows us that love is really hard. Mm -hmm. And I'd hope no one wouldn't want to get married because, oh, it's going to be really hard. Well, yeah, but it's also going to be really sweet. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's just what love <coughs> That's what love is, is, and that's what carrying a cross is. So if you don't want hardship, Christianity is just not the religion for you. Mm -hmm. Like you want something else. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to bear carry our cross, and this is one way the Lord has called you know Christians in this land, particularly, to do that and wrestle with. Yeah, love it. And I think the fact is that the devil confuses things and taints all that is good. Uh, and yes, yes. And and you know. Uh, different ethnicities and diversity is God made and he's a creative creator. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a reason why people have different skin colors. That should be a beautiful thing. So I think we should embrace and love our different uh, ethnicities. And I think that's some encouragement just to kind of focus on that versus feeling the, the overwhelming negative worldly, responses to um asking the 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 question is like why why do i look different than that person in a bad way it's like no god wants you to look this way god wants the person to look that way this is our international church together that's right man i was looking for the quote and this is from c herbert oliver who was a presbyterian mm -hmm. uh and uh but he had a book he had, I mean, PNR put this out recently, No Flesh Shall Glory, which was oh, yeah, yeah, from the past. Yeah, and I, I quote Brother Oliver a good bit. He's an uh, OPC and, pastor in the 50s. Yeah, there you go. I thought I was, I'm pretty sure it's OPC, but yep. um, <clears throat> and he he has a quote, I can't find it, but it's somewhere in the book, um, uh, where he just says, The consistent Christian, I love, I mean, it's just like I mean, that's why I love reading older, it's humbling. Yeah, yeah right. Christian, uh, well, uh, we'll praise God for the diversity uh, mm. before him. And so that's mm. just yet another reason to have the conversation. I, and that, I mean, Nick, what you're really getting at um, is super helpful because it shows how most, a lot of us frame this conversation um, negatively in our mm. mind that this is just a hard thing to talk about. This mm. is just an, uh, and when really, man, there's so much joy we're leaving on the table uh, when we walk away from this conversation, which is why, you know, when, um, this is why I think when Malcolm X starts talking about black being beautiful, he gets such a hearing because 
no one was talking about it that way. Mm. And this is a classic example, like, okay, well, I'm not hearing that in my church. My pastor's telling me to be colorblind and feel mm. really guilty for looking the way I am. But, you know, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, they're saying, this is beautiful. Mm. And, and so I want to follow that train of thought. And so that's what I'm saying is like, we, you know, I praise God for any common grace insight coming from, you know, out of anyone's mouth, even if it, you know, whether it be a donkey or whoever, but I hope in the church we recognize like Psalm 139, super clear about this, like us being formed in our mother's womb. Like um, the whole of Revelation talks about every child. Yes, I mean, like, it's just yeah. like, this is kind of through and through God's plan to bring in the nations. We, we don't need to fear that. It's actually something to celebrate and rejoice in. Yeah. Uh, and I praise God. I mean, I want to make clear, brothers, like I say in the book, uh, and Lig said this to me, Lig and Duncan. Uh, I'm just, these are my Presbyterian friends. Thank uh, you, my favorite Presbyterian is my mother, but anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but Lig was like, man, I think, I think um, more white Christians than ever want to get this right. Mm. And I think that's true. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think a lot of white Christians look around their church and they're like, man, this place is white. <laughs> uh, and not in any kind of... It's, it, it's too true. No, you're, you're totally, you're totally right on. Yeah. And so, man, I praise God for that. And so... Um, I think there is a change happening. Hmm. And so what will happen will help that change is if we don't just keep putting our foot in our mouths when we're talking <laughs> to one another, uh, uh. actually making our churches more hospitable places, making it uh, where someone can walk into our church after a racial tragedy and know uh. tenderness and sympathy on this issue is not only valued, it's normal in this church. Hmm. And I don't think a lot of minorities would say that about their experience in white yeah. churches, but I hope I'm more wrong by that with each passing Sunday. Yeah, no, that's, that's, and that's a good, yeah, it's a good call. And again, I can, I can see people saying or disagreeing and it's honestly, like you said, we can disagree about these topics um, and still have fellowship. But the thing is we like, we need the fellowship. We need, we need yeah. these conversations to continue to be happening, but before before we before we end this out, I mean, you're, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'll, I'll continue singing the praises of the book because I mean, I loved the book. <laughs> Thank you, brother. If, if wow. people are like buy fifty copies and then give it out to everybody you know, um, yeah, use this for Bibles to or for studies at your at your church, whatever it may be. But is there anything you're hoping? I mean, obviously it's talking about race, but um, is there anything you're hoping after reading this, people are encouraged to do? Um, after reading this, is is there something that you want to leave people with? Like, hey, here's here's something that we can take an actionable step after after reading this book. Yeah, uh, two things come to mind. Um, <clears throat> one is I do answer. Well, I'll say this first. Uh, the first is I hope you check out United We Pray. Uh, mm. So that's the ministry I began. This is really the first book of that ministry. Mm, okay. willing, many to come. Uh, so United We Pray is a ministry devoted to praying about racial strife between Christians. Uh, so we have a podcast mm. and what we're trying to do is engender more prayer yeah. in this conversation. So you can check us out at uwepray.com, letter U, W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll link um, that to the show notes too. To, to yeah, that, that, that'd be great, man. And And truly, because I hope we hope these resources help churches. That's yeah. So I have no interest in pastoring the Twittersphere. I'm trying to help real. <laughs> yeah. The second thing I would say is, I guess, I guess two more things. The second thing I would say is um, uh, the, the book ends with an afterward to parents about talking with their kids. Mm -hmm. And I hope people are more equipped to talk to the next generation about right. these things. Uh, I hope they would take that up. And the third thing I would say is, uh, you know, I do answer that question. What can I do? And I give 26 mm -hmm. answers. And so I hope <laughs> yeah. to do yeah, exactly. of those but then every other one of those is pray. Uh, that's true. Well, they're yeah. okay. So now <laughs> give 12 yeah. answers, but um, I hope someone does one of those 12 things. Uh, yeah. And even yeah. if it is prayer, man, I just, I, I want to challenge our assumption mm -hmm. that prayer doesn't do that much in this conversation. Mm -hmm. I think Satan would be pleased for us to think that. I'm not saying that's all we should do, uh, but I'm, I'm saying we shouldn't do any less than that. And we can totally. all do that right where we are. Uh, and then the rest, I'll try to give some other suggestions. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I hope people pick this up and yeah, yeah and, and start learning some of these things. Like, hey, this is something, this is something we can do. And we have a, we have a joy of doing this as brothers yeah. and sisters in the same church. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and yeah. 
And even though it's a narrative book, it is unique that in the fact that it adds a study guide to be, yeah. um, you know, practical and, yeah. and, and apply it. Cause there it is, it's not the biggest book ever, but it, it's meant to probably read slow and soak in. There's a lot of verses to mm -hmm. make your points and, and really pray about those. It's not, you know, so if you agree with that's how you should probably read it. Yes, man. Totally. I yep. say, I try to say in the introduction, this is a short book that requires long work meaning yeah. it works better as a workbook. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. I think <clears throat> and you guys will appreciate this being like book type dudes. I mean, most <laughs> every Christian book has like, here are these questions at the end. And yeah. uh, you guys are godlier than me. I always skip those. And I think most people <laughs> do. So I, I just, lot too. <laughs> I just yeah. call my readers out from like page two. Yep. Don't skip the questions. Yep. Yeah, yeah. meant to help you. And you will actually benefit more. It's like someone like, working out but kind of cut like i'm just gonna do like i'm not gonna really go 90 degrees i'll just do like a little more a little less on the push -ups, <laughs> yeah. whatever it's like you'll get more out of the book if you do the questions i yeah. promise you. sure but, sure yeah and uh, also some names that we know very well on this show that did some written acknowledgments on your book uh we know who mark dever is and we know michael horton and jonathan lehman and Rebecca McLaughlin and Jarvis Williams. Yeah, they've they all, all, all been on our show before. Oh, yeah, man. well, except um, Dever. Except Dever. Except Dever, yeah. Well, I got the next yeah. thing. I got, I, actually, if he's he's probably listening. He's probably like, I'm not the next. Maybe he would say, I don't know. Uh, we had no yeah. people fit, which, yeah, he's, he's yeah, good. All those brothers and sisters are wiser, godlier uh, than me. So, yeah, the fact that they were kind <clears throat> enough to give some of their time uh, was was really encouraging to me. Yeah. No, that's... That's and I love it. And I know um, and it shouldn't be the case, but it just is. We're in a fallen world. People are going to look at this book and say, oh, I don't I don't really have to look at this. And I don't really deal with this. But yeah, I do encourage people to to dig into this and do the hard work. Like you said, this is this is a book. It's it's kind of like it's like a heart scalpel. It it points at things that I've never really been pointed to before and mm. it brings up conversations and it, it allows me to reflect so that we can have more uh, both more biblically saturated, but just more honest um, conversations with people who we may not have the same experience, but we have the same gods. So we can, we can, we can fellowship Amen. with them, but True. above all that, I mean, thank you so much for writing this. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for taking your time to, to be on this show. It's, it's really, it's truly been a treasure talking about some of these things. Hey man. Well, I, I appreciate you brother's encouragement. And like I said, it's good to come to someone else's house and eat, eat their <laughs> food. So yeah, man, I, I really appreciate the encouragement. But I was telling just so your listeners know, I was telling Peter, it was really nice. I had lots of people read the book and, you know, and a lot of people who didn't agree with me, but that I think Peter, you were one of the first to, who I just didn't know. And so to get your feedback, <laughs> it's encouraging. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. and one yeah. last note, one last note too, is you make it, uh, make a comment in there is to, even if you don't agree with you, you're more, the more, it's more important that you are engaging thoughtful conversations. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So this book is, if you don't leave it, if you don't leave it agreeing with me on everything, that's a okay. I'm good with that. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, on on that note, thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time, and and uh, hopefully we can we can have more conversations and, and talk more with you and, and continually figure out hey what can we what can we do as, as part of the as part of the broader body of Christ to talk about these things. So yeah. thanks for coming on. Hey yeah. man, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate Thank it. You. Are you looking for a Reformed Church in the Orange County, Santa Ana area? We'll be starting our study through the Book of Judges, as well as diving into Reverend Danny Hyde's Welcome to Reformed Church beginning weekly on December 2nd, which is a Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. If you'd like updates and information on joining our core group, email us at santaanareformed at gmail.com or head to either Guilt Grace Pod or Santa Ana URC on Twitter or find the link in the show notes to learn more. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world and how to best do that is rate and review us on itunes 
yeah and you after you rate a review or instead of writing review or doing everything all in once retweeting us on twitter liking us on twitter liking us on instagram following us on both of those platforms because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast these guests and most importantly the gospel the doctrines uh, that these guests are, are bringing in front of you guys so please do that it helps get in front of more people amen and hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing and uh after that after tithing if you have any means left over please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy as again we bridge the gap to reform christian <laughs> theology exactly yeah and you guys can find that link on anchor our official anchor website if you just go on um, our social media links it'll it'll link you to that website it's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes if you're on this podcast this specific episode scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further yep all for the kingdom of god thanks so much guys we'll see you guys next time